Joshua 24. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this book. Lord, what an encouragement it has been going through this book, Lord, and just the rich, rich story that it has told, how it has warned our hearts, how it has built up our hearts, uh, how it has spoken to the very depth of our soul. And I just pray, Father, that um, just pray for this message, Lord, that you would use it, that you would build us up and edify us, Lord, through it as we're closing out uh, this book now in, in chapter 24. And I pray, Lord, uh, that you protect this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Joshua 24, the last chapter of the book of Joshua. And it says here in verse 1, then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel. And it just kind of brings you back to remembrance uh, where it says at the very beginning of Joshua, it says he also gathered the people uh, right before they went over into the promised land. Uh, then he went, said to the people, he said in Joshua 3, 5, he said, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Uh, and here his, his message um, is looking back. The Lord did wonders among uh, the people and now he's going to uh, look back. This is looking back and exhorting them. And so in chapter 23, uh, he, this is uh, soon before he dies, uh, it, uh, he speaks to the people. Again, verse uh, 1 of chapter 23 said he was old, advanced in age. And it says a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel. So this, this is about chapter 23 and 24 happen about 21 years after that address in Joshua 3 where he had told the people. So 23 years before, he tells the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And now we are going, 21 years later, we are uh, going to hear what he says actually right before he dies. It says he gathered all the people to Shechem, called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Now, what he is going to do now is take them through a history of how God had dealt with their people, the amazing mercy, the amazing power uh, that he took them through. And uh, so that's what he's going to do uh, through this. And, and in these verses, verses uh, uh, verse 2 through uh, 13, you will see the Lord speak, refer to himself as I, 17 times, 17 times. And so 
it begins here again in verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, and I led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. Verse 6, Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you, so I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them, you eat of the vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant." Verse 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Okay, he hasn't finished yet, but I did want to uh, pause there. So he uh, begins with reminding them of their of his history remember our history with God is his story and if there's one thing that he just wants to make so abundantly clear to them and it's just something that we get wrong uh, it, it seems like every day uh, we get this wrong it's that the very simple truth that where we are today, if we've given our lives to the Lord and we 
have followed him. He, he has prospered us, and every good thing that we have comes from his hand. It comes from his hand. It's not us that did it. Now, Moses, uh, in his last address, was really similar in many ways to what um, uh, it, in his approach and in, in, in how he approached the people at the end of Deuteronomy. And I think of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, where Moses says, Beware, after getting into the land, remember they hadn't been in at the point Moses address, addresses them, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not com- keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full, and have beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which there were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say then, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And so uh, here you have it, uh, again, about 21, 22 years later, something like that, uh, from the time Moses said that, well, they had occupied the land and they are in uh, uh, beautiful houses uh, dwelling in them, uh, houses that uh, they didn't build. They, uh, their herds, just like Deuteronomy 8.13 says, have multiplied. Their silver and gold multiplied because of uh, everything that they uh, possessed and the, the booty that they received from the, uh, the land. And here they are, and they have all those things, and they're standing before Joshua. So Joshua says the same thing to them, uh, essentially, in, in chapter 24. He says, listen, I did it. And I'll tell you 17 times, I did it. Don't get this crazy thought in your mind that you had anything to do with the conquest of this land and possessing um, the riches that you have now and um, and that uh, it, 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 as well as, as, as the families that they had and the houses that they had and the increase that they had. I did it. See, the Lord knows our hearts and, and how important it is to, um, just for every single one of us, uh, to, to be remembering this. And I, I, I've said this many times before that it's just you would do well if in, in your devotion time with the Lord that you just use some part of it, even if it's just a minute, just to remember from where you came from. And he begins here with... In, in verse 2 with 
probably the most significant point of this whole history. And he tells him, he says in verses 2 and 3, he tells them, I took Abraham from the other side of the river where his family served other gods, meaning Abraham and the whole family there were living in the muck and the mire. They had no knowledge of God. They were uh, just deeply entrenched in sin. They did not know God. And uh, Genesis chapter 12, rather than initiate a plan of judgment as he did in Noah chapter, uh, rather Genesis chapter 6, he initiated a plan of redemption, a unilateral covenant to raise up a Messiah. Uh, he said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, from your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Speaking of Jesus Christ. And so uh, then uh, from there in verses 2 and 3, he just goes to uh, throughout their history again, um, their time in the land of Egypt, living as slaves and how he plagued Egypt. He says, I plagued Egypt, verse five, and I brought you out. And then he led them through the land of wilderness in wilderness um, for, for, for 40 years. And then in verse eight, I brought you into the land of the Amorites and I destroyed them before you. In verse 12, he says, I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out. And it was not with your sword or your your bow. So if you're listen, if you're listening to this, I I insist that right now you consider hitting the pause button on this message, and just take five minutes to do the same thing. D do essentially uh, write your history down, and. And before you hit the pause button, I'll just give you an example of, of what I have written, written down. I, Steve Cole, uh, lived in Dover, Massachusetts, west, uh, west of Boston, in, in the land of Ur, a land where people served other gods, uh, not the God of the Bible. And Lord... You took our family out of that place and you led us to eventually, when I was 16, 17 years old, to a tiny little Baptist church in Caracas, Venezuela, where we heard the good news about Jesus Christ. And I heard it. And you, so you delivered us you delivered my family. You delivered me from from the muck and, uh, and the mire. And then I uh, gave my heart to you uh, in graduate, uh, rather, um, after college. But I spent the next three years in 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 graduate school, just like the Israelites did in the wilderness. I was rescued from Egypt, but I decided that I wanted to live. I chose the wilderness life, and I chose it for three years. But then at the end, 
by your grace, you, Lord, not me, you took me out and you led me across the Jordan into a place, Lord, where I have experienced the defeat, Lord, of every enemy up to this point uh, in my life. And, and, and just as the Israelites possessed homes, possessed families, were prospered, uh, you have done the same thing with me. You've, you've, um, you've put your zeal and fortitude in my heart. You, you brought me a, a wife who herself gave her life to you after we were married and began to walk strongly with you. You gave me children. You give me a ministry. You've brought alongside of me uh, people uh, to raise up a church. You've brought people from all over the world to be a part of the church family of Calvary Chapel in the city. It's you that have, have done it, Lord. You have given me all these things. And now, therefore, Lord, I, I'm going to fear you as it says in Joshua 24, 14. I'm gonna serve you in sincerity and truth. And I, Lord, will maintain the practice of ever putting away other gods as they try to encroach upon my life and pushing them out. And I'm gonna serve you, Lord. Okay, so I challenge you, if you're listening to this, to hit the pause button and just take five to seven minutes and, and write down, write down your history. So, but I will continue here uh, in Joshua 24 at this point. Hopefully many of you uh, wrote your history down and you've put the press the play button again. And, and so uh, here you are. So, so he gives um, his history. So how important it is to remember our roots, lest we forget. And uh, I don't want to necessarily go through uh, in detail every verse of that history, because uh, in verses two through uh, 13, because they pretty much speak for themselves. I think one thing I would like to point out here is that in verse 12, it says, I sent the hornet before you, which uh, drove them out from before you, and also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with sword, were not with your sword or with your bow. Now, uh, people, scholars disagree on on what the hornet means. I personally don't think that's talking about little hornets, but some respectable scholars do believe it. I think the point is, is just like he has always promised to do, uh, Isaiah 52, to go before us, and he's also our rear guard. I think the most important point in that verse, verse 12, he says, not with your sword or with your bow. That didn't mean, that does not mean that they didn't have swords or bows. They did. It's just that the, the defeat was ultimately had nothing to do with their swords or their bows other than than the fact that they were obedient and they picked them up and they uh, wielded them but it had to do with the fact that the lord uh, uh, really uh, went before them but also filled them with a godly confidence you know the lord can give us over to a spirit of fear in a second uh, even if we're the most um 
well-armored people in the physical sense are the smartest people, the most prepared, the most experienced people in the world. He can give us over to a spirit of fear. And, and, and you know, uh, I'm mindful of that as I, you know, from time to time I think about that, that thank you, Lord, because I know I can go into this pulpit on a Sunday morning and I can be terrified and not be able to, paralyzed. Uh, dumb, meaning not able to speak. And so um, it's it's really the Lord and it is so important that so important that um, we understand that. Now what should be the motive for us, you and me, living a godly life? Should it be, well, we need to be good enough in order to uh, get ourselves into good, God's good graces? Should it be that we need to be good enough in order for Him to listen to our prayers? Uh, should it be uh, to uh, be, make up for the bad things that we've done in our past? No, only the blood of Jesus covers us and allows us to, uh, to, uh, allows us to be saved and and allows us to to have answered prayer, to have the confidence of answered prayer, to know that uh, we will be dwelling forever with Jesus in eternity. The so it can't be any of those motives. It can be only one motive, and it's just gratefulness. And so that's why after he says seventeen times, "I did this for you. I did this for you. I did this for you. I did this for you," he says in verse fourteen, "Now therefore." fear the Lord and serve him with in, in sincerity and truth. And so why should we fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth? We need to because of a heart of thanksgiving, because we want to write a, we want our life to be a thank you note to the Lord. I, I just served, uh, heard here recently a, a quote on, um, C.S. Lewis, and I may use it this Sunday, it just, it says this, C.S. Lewis says, the perfect man never acts from a sense of duty. <laughs> and I just, uh, I just love that, meaning the perfectly good man, of course, there's only one, Jesus Christ, is never going to be motivated by a sense of duty. They, the duty, they'll be motivated from a sense of joy, a, th a sense of love, a sense of thanksgiving to the Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't like anyone who is um, doing something for me strictly out of, of a sense of duty. I mean, how, how do you like being around people who are like around you because out of a sense of duty? Or do you like people being around you because they love you and they're thankful for you? And, and, and so um, it says, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And, and the only way to serve him in sincerity and truth is to is, is not to be serving him out of a, out of a sense of duty. Now, certainly, as a backdrop, uh, we, we need to have that sense of duty and a fear of God. Certainly, we need that. That's a safety net for us. But that's not our motivation for serving him in sincerity and truth. Interesting here, it says, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river. So they've already backslided here. Um, Joshua is speaking prophetically a word of knowledge uh, into their life that... Um, they, they still have those gods, or they've taken them back up. And strangely enough here, um, 450 years before, 
they're still having the same habits. They're still doing the same thing. They're still pulling those uh, there's those those foreign gods back into their lives. I, I do have to to ask you that: Do you have foreign gods in your life? Do you have secret idolatry? Do you have uh, things uh, in your life that your heart is rooted into that are clearly opposed to the Word of God? Um, if so, put them away. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. So what else before we go on? Because what follows here um, is one of the most famous verses in the Bible and it's uh, posted up in, in many homes. It's in my home and it's it's um, it's such a, an important milestone uh, here in, in in the ministry of Joshua. It's interesting. He's just about to die, and he's about to get super tough with them. And and uh, you know, there's a there's a famine of of boldness in leadership in the body of Christ. And I'm ever telling our elders at our church and are also our, the, the women leaders in our church that I, I really, really need them to be bold. And the hardest thing about being bold is, of course, you want everybody to like you. I certainly do. I, I'm addicted to people liking me. Um, but you can't be faithful to the Lord if you are not bold and are willing to say things that almost certainly will result in people not liking you. Now, he's about to get really tough with them. He's already said to them, put away your gods. And then he's going to go on to say, basically tell them they're not going to serve the Lord and they're going to rebel. And, uh, you know, when you're going off um, to die, and this is probably not uh, a really uh, something that you get a very pleasant thought, well, I'm going to go to my deathbed with people angry and upset at me. But you know something? You and I, we're going to meet the Lord. It was appointed to man to die one time and then face judgment. And, and we're going to have to give an account uh, for things done in the body. And so, so important that we have that fear of God and that we have uh, that uh, sense that we're going to have to answer to him. So verse 15 says, uh, again, verse 14, 14 was fear of the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. And then 15, he says famously, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in, which, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, you know, if you're listening here and you're vacillating, if you're vacillating in your life between the Lord and between uh, the world, look, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then don't. This is what Joshua is saying here. And the Spirit of God is saying to you right now and, and to my heart. But choose this day whom you serve. You get to make a choice. You can't just stay there in in the middle in the no man's land. That's just not acceptable. It seems evil to you to serve the Lord. 
Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A couple points um, about this this famous verse. And if you don't have it in your house, maybe maybe you want to um, put it up there. You don't have to go and buy something. Although I think we have we we have it. We bought a little print of it. But you can just type it up, and usually the verse is quoted the very first part of. Uh, um, well, not the, not the very first part, but towards the beginning of the verse. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Dot 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 than the end of the verse. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Go do it. Great verse to put in front of you because frankly, we need to choose every day whom we serve. <laughs> we really do. And I just heard a great man of God uh, down in down in Maryland. His name is Jack Kranz. He's a chaplain of a uh, prison system at a county in Pennsylvania and and more or less the the sermon was is that you and I need to be repenters like every day repenters <laughs> every day we need to choose who we serve uh, but and and God willing re- and, and, and I think it is God willing. I think it is God's plan for your life that it is to serve him. But a couple points about this. Um, one is that notice that he is not afraid to say you. Choose for yourselves this day. Choose you. So uses the word you. And then in verse down in verse twenty, he says, "If you if you forsake the Lord and serve uh, foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good." He's using the word "you." Now, I'm reading an autobiography by Charles Finney, and and he was a remarkable, extraordinary revivalist from the 1830s and 40s, and. he was a controversial preacher for, among other reasons, at the time, the emphasis on orators, on preachers, was eloquence. And you didn't want to be too offensive and use the word you. And um, he greatly resisted that, and he was greatly criticized for that. And he, he made simply made the point that that was the only way to really be bold and challenge and get into the hearts of the people. And so I have for many years made it a habit not to not to say we all the time and not that it's never appropriate, but a preacher needs to be saying you. Another point I'd like to make about this sermon, I always think, you know, I'm not a Calvinist. I, I respect my Calvinist brethren. Um, I could preach the next six messages on why I'm not a Calvinist and why I don't think the Bible teaches Calvinism. Um, I got the other thing, their doctrine against human free will. Well, I always think of, uh, among many other verses, this verse, it, it's clear that God has given us a choice <laughs> and that we have, we're free moral ag- agents and we can freely make one cho- choice or another. It, it says, choose for yourselves. It doesn't say God's going to choose for you. It says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and myself, we will serve the Lord. Now, do I believe in election? Yes. Do I believe in irresistible grace? Yes. I, I, I really do. Do I believe John 15 where Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you? Yes. 
I just think there's no way to reconcile the two truths uh, between the sovereignty of God and the freedom um, of our choice. The Bible clearly, clearly, clearly teaches both things. They can only be reconciled in the mind of God. And so uh, um, here you have that choice. So, you know, I'm going to make a third point about verse 15. It says, choose for yourselves this day whom you serve. Now, we have to be slaves to something. You know, people say, well, there's no such things as idols today, um, at least in the United States of America. Actually, they haven't been in many, many churches where there are little statues and idols of saints and, and things like that when they say things like that. But um, I get that the point that they're trying to make, but, but an idol is anything that you're a slave to. And the Bible says that everyone's a slave to something. Verse 16 of chapter, Romans chapter 6 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey... You are that one's slaves, whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Everyone's a slave to something. And so uh, uh, it, 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 it's either, he's saying, choose whether you're a slave to idols, which is whatever it is that you're obeying that's not of the Lord, that's not of God, that's in contrary to the word of God, or serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. Verse 16, so the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions and your sin. If you forsake uh, the Lord and serve uh, foreign gods, then he will turn you and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, verse 21, no. But we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. And verse 23, Now therefore Joshua said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord. Notice there that belief and obedience is a choice. Incline your heart. So if you are out there saying, You know, I'm just waiting this is by the way this is what i hear all the time from folks who are have um who, and i hate even to use the term exp in this context but uh addiction addiction to, to alcohol addiction to um to, to drugs addiction to uh sex or pornography and and they'll say well i've been asking the lord to give me the desire 
to obey. Well, you notice here, he says, incline your hearts to the Lord God of Israel. We have a choice. Choosing to obey, choosing to believe uh, is a choice. And so uh, Joshua is is making that uh, point to to the people. Uh, it's our cho- it's our choice. He said, "But as for me and my house, we will uh, uh, we will obey the the Lord." It's it's our choice of what to allow on uh, the walls of my home. What technology uh, uh, shows? Uh, what what technology is being broadcast? What is broadcasting rather to folks in my house? What entertainment? Uh, is in my house. Um, you know, I don't want to turn into a Pharisee here, but if I have a visitor in my home and, uh, and and we've had situations over the years, my wife, Stephanie, and I were a visitors trying to watch some really gory television program, we got to ask them to, talk, to turn it off. Uh, and the reason is, is, is I have to give an account to the Lord and also, what I have explained to my children the most, it's, it's, it's not my house. <laughs> it's God's house. And I, I, I don't even have the right to give someone uh, an option to do something differently uh, in my house. So, um, you know, I remember years ago, someone came and they were very near and dear to us, um, but they weren't married and they were showing up together and they, they had been living with each, each other somewhere. And... And it was hard. We were in our mid-20s at the time. This is something literally 30 years ago. And we had to tell them, I'm sorry, you can't spend the night in the same bed. And and uh, look, you're crazy if you're th- thinking to yourself, well, you know, I don't want to offend them and break up the relationship and because then I may not be witnessing to them. What are you, crazy? Um, if, if you let them stay in the same bed, you're being a witness uh, of someone who misrepresents God rather than the other. So what's in your fridge? What's in uh, the music, uh, the entertainment, um, uh, these type of things? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's most important is intimacy with the Lord. Does your family see you in a time of intimacy each day? It's a choice. And don't be saying, well, you know, I'm praying that God will give me the desire to have a Bible study with him. Oh, nonsense. Um, he, incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel is what uh, Joshua says in Joshua 24, 23. The people respond to him in verse 24. The Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute, an ordinance in Shechem. A statute meaning um, a, a regulation, not a statue as in a, a figurine. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. So interesting there. Interesting, interesting, interesting line there. So um, it says he wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And so uh, we know what um, uh, that this book uh in whole or in part, was written by Joshua. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. So at this time, the Ark of the Covenant uh, is in uh, uh, where they are now, which is in Shechem. Is it in Shechem or is it in Shiloh at this point? (laughs) 
I believe it is in Shechem at this point. It is because it says it right there, by the sanctuary of the Lord. So the sanctuary at this point uh, is in Shechem. It's going to be uh, moving to Shiloh, but um, where Eli would be uh, and and the and uh, and during the book of Judges and into Samuel. And verse 27, And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. Now, very, 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 very soon, the people were going to depart from the Lord. Uh, and 400 years of the book of Judges, uh, one of the craziest, most depressing books to read in the whole Bible it's kind of like the book of Ecclesiastes, what life looks like without God. Just go be depressed and read the book of Judges where, hey, I, I you need to stay with me, by the way, because I'm going into Judges next. It's important that we get depressed together. Actually, there there's, there is something. Um, if we are filled with the Spirit of God, there, the, the, there, there's always a place of joy. Uh, and there is a place of joy reading through uh, the book of Judges. But I, I tell you, the first time I read it, I'm like, why is this book in the Bible? Well, because they, after committing to serve the Lord in, at Joshua 24, they go right into apostasy, right after Joshua dies. Verse 28, so Joshua let the people depart each to his own inheritance. Now, it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. I have a question for you. Do you want that title to be affixed to your name after you die? The servant of the Lord. I don't know what your name is. Roberto the servant of the Lord. Kathy, the servant of the Lord. Kirsten, the servant of the Lord. Fernando, the servant of the Lord. That's a privilege. It's a privilege and it's a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua said in verse 15. He, he chose. He had chose, chosen, and and uh, he had chosen many, 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 many years before. Actually, when I'm sure even prior to coming out of Egypt, Joshua had had made the decision that as for him and his house, they will serve the Lord. Verse 30, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath, Serah, which is in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. That's a very encouraging thing to me, that um, that those that I have an influence on in my life, um, that there will be an influence that lives beyond me. Yeah, that's a wonderful verse there in, in verse 31, and an encouragement for you and me. The bones of Joseph, verse 32, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground, which Jacob had brought, bought from the sons of Hamer, the, the father of 
a shechem for 100 pieces of silver and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. I believe that's Genesis chapter 50 when Joseph asked for his bones to be buried up there. And then it says in verse uh, 33, and Eliezer, the son of Aaron, also died. So the, the high priest um, also died. So the, the one who had replaced Moses died. The one who had replaced uh, the, uh, the high priest uh, Aaron had died. And uh, now the Israelites were going to be thrust into a, a very different time where the, the, the power, uh, not, not, in the, not in the priestly class, but, but in the governing class, was disseminated to, to many people, the leaders of the tribes of, of Israel. And so for at least 60 years, the people of Israel had just really known what amounted to someone, to, to a single leader. And um, now it would be dispersed to the um, to the children of Israel, and they they're going to be have a very challenging uh, time of it. So uh, Joshua, who took over from Moses, he dies. Eleazar, who took over from his father Aaron, died. And then it says of Eleazar, they buried him in a hill belonging to Phineas's son, which was given to him in the mountains. Of Ephraim, and that's the end. That is the end of the book of Joshua. And you know, I myself, um, as I began this message, I'm just really encouraged by the boldness of this man. You know, there is a tendency as we grow old, it's like, hey, you know, I just want to settle down and I don't want to battle people anymore, I don't want to fight anymore, I'm tired of fighting. Yeah, I tell you, you know, there's. I don't want to minimize um, one bit you know, the difficulty of physical warfare. In fact, I think yesterday was the anniversary of D-Day, but um, and and just what those folks went through for for us, for me to even be preaching a sermon now, it's 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 amazing reading reading the accounts and seeing some of the films. But I tell you, fighting people, uh, it it's not easy. And um, and when I say fighting people, I'm not talking, of course. I'm not talking, of course, um, physical fighting. I'm talking about fighting people going into apostasy, fighting people who are watering down the word of God, fighting people who have rejected the water of God, fighting people who um, um, are uh, rejecting the word of God. And of course, the weapons of a warf warfare are not carnal. We don't do it with guns and fists and even with yelling. Uh, we do it with prayer, with love, with meekness, gentleness, and the teaching of the Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but my spirit, says says the Lord. And so um, here he fights to the very end, this, this mighty warrior of God who knew how to fight not only with physical arms, but also uh, by the Spirit of God uh, with, his, with, with, his, with his prophetic tongue. Okay, so ne next we will be in the book of Joshua until that time. God bless you.